Okay, you guys, so today's episode is a little bit different. I got Cooper Trooper on here today. He's like on the forefront of everything crypto, Web3, and all that kind of stuff. He's extremely smart, and I really enjoyed talking to him, so let's get right into it. Bro. Alright, we are rolling. Okay, so go ahead and give yourself like a brief introduction here. Sure. So my name is Cooper. I've been working in crypto for the past five years. I like to teach creators how to use new technology. So I do a lot of work in the crypto space, helping people with things like NFTs, DAOs, social tokens, trying to make sense of it all and help people understand what, what's going on. Yeah. See, now you were the first person like I'd heard about NFTs, especially like as an influencer. And everyone was like, yo, let's do an NFT. Let's do this. Let's do this. What do you think about doing this? And I knew nothing about it. And then all of a sudden you came over one day and you gave me like the breakdown and it was something that I could understand. And it felt much more real than just like this imaginary thing everyone's been talking about, which is NFTs. So like if you can kind of like fill, like do like like a minute long introduction for like everyone who's relatively, relatively dumb on this topic. Sure. Like what it is. So I like to think of NFTs as scarce digital collectibles in the same way that you see Instagram posts online, the same way that you see different songs online. NFTs give you a way to collect those and assign a financial value to them. And so what's happening under the hood is a concept of non-fungibility. What this means is that the same way that you have one car and another car, a Tesla and a Mercedes, those two cars are uniquely distinct from one another. What NFTs do is allow you to assign specific characteristics to each of those digital assets to say this one is different from this one. So you can have a one of one piece of digital art. You can have one that has a thousands edition of it. You can have one that has a gold crown, one that just has a common t-shirt on. And when you add these characteristics to them, people can start to create markets around them. And that's where this concept of a floor comes in. It's basically saying, what is the cheapest, most common version of an NFT? And how do I place a financial value on that? And so in the same way that you collected Pokemon cards growing up, it's the same thing that's happening now, except it's all just happening online. And NFTs are kind of the medium that allows that to happen. Gotcha. Okay. So now another question I have for you too, is like, how do you know which projects to get involved in? Cause I, I see so many creators are constantly pumping out like, yo, buy this, buy this, get this. But then at the end of the day, after everyone's bought it, it's relatively valueless. So how do you just like depict which ones are going to actually hold their value and which ones are just going to be like a pump and dump? I think it's really a vibe check, you know, in the same way that there's a movie that your friends recommend, there's a book that your friends recommend, you kind of just go off of intuition. And I think the caliber and the knowledge of your friends directly determines their criteria to say whether or not a project's good. So if you've been in the space for a very long time, there's a specific set of standards that you hold projects to. Is this founder accountable? Was it structured in the right way? You know, is there good intention behind this? And once it kind of checks those minimum boxes, you start to see who else is supporting this project. You know, what other credible people in the space are willing to put their brand behind it? Who is making it their avatar? Who is going up, out to bat and signaling it on social media? And if you start to see a lot of congruent signs that a lot of highly reputable people are following a project, it's a better signal that this is something that's worth paying attention to. Gotcha. Okay. So if you're just random neighbor next door says, yo, buy this, don't do it. But if someone's actually in the space, which Twitter is pretty much like one of the places you can learn the most right now, right? Would you say yeah. that? That's where I spend all my time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I never, I never really followed it too, too much. And then our friend Zach, so mm -hmm. he was like, yo, you should follow this person, follow this person, follow this person. And then now I'm finding myself tweeting like GM and all kinds of stuff. I'm learning the lingo and I like it actually. I've, I've been kind of, um, well, I was in New York mm -hmm. for the, what was it? NYC NFT, right? Yeah. NFT NYC. And then, um, Art Basel in Miami, which I noticed was pretty NFT heavy this time around. Yeah. 
which was kind of cool to see. And then now everyone's like really starting to get into it. My mom knows what they are somehow. So now I'm like, okay, this is definitely catching some footing. And then, I mean, yeah, pretty much that's amazing. And then of course now you were filling me in a little bit about like how it's integrating itself into music now, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'll say to quickly comment on the Twitter stuff too. That has been ground zero for crypto for five years. You know, in 2017, yeah. when there was the ICO wave going on, that's where you found all these new tokens all throughout the bear market. It's where everyone was having conversation. Mm -hmm. I think the reason for that is as a social media platform, Twitter is much more about words than it is pictures. Gotcha. And so people are able to have kind of deeper conversations around high level topics and projects. So you can start to analyze, you know, like what is the token spy of this project? What is it doing? Who's the core team around it? Why mm -hmm. is it going to go up and down? And I think that, uh, canvas to have a conversation is very different from something like Instagram where it's very much like post a picture and get a like on it yeah. You know, like the commenting and the replies isn't really a primary feature But with Twitter, it's much more about thoughtful engagement and conversation I think that's why it's become sort of the main place while this conversation is happening. Yeah Well, I like the, what I like about Twitter is that it allows someone who isn't very familiar with it to see these conversations that they would never be able to see mm -hmm. like if I get on there and all of a sudden someone starts talking about this and then I'll roll through the feed and the comments and everything this is a conversation that normally I would never be a part of right. and then now I'm kind of like starting to see that figure it out and like um, grow my understanding of it all yeah and to your point about how do you know which projects are legit I think it's be by being tapped into those conversations on Twitter you know yeah. there is a web and a hive of people talking about these different projects and if you're tapped into the right pockets you can see consistency so I have this rule of thumb for how I invest in projects if three people that I know and trust independently tell me to check out a project I'll drop everything that I'm doing and go and research it okay. and if I can kind of find myself in a position where I have credible sources across the board that are just sort of feeding me information I think that's a good signal about how I'm able to find new things as they come up. Got you. Got you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, you're um, definitely known in this space because every time I like uh, someone asks me about NFTs, I'm like, yeah, I know a little bit about it. And then I'll bring up your name somehow in conversation that I know you. And then everyone just speaks so highly of everything that you're doing and what you're doing. And then, of course, every time I end up in a room for some kind of NFT event or anything, you're always there somehow. So you're, yeah. you're definitely on like the forefront of it from what I've seen. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's been really fun watching it take mainstream culture like head on, you know? Yeah. For a long time, crypto was this really nerdy thing where you had to be in the know about it. It was like really under the surface. And there was years during the bear market where I would be begging people to listen to me talk about the stuff I was excited about. You know, mm -hmm. now that's kind of changed being here in LA, being around creators. It's fun and it's cool, you know, like going online and collecting pictures of things that are going up a ton in value and going through these roller coaster cycles. It's super, super fun, you yeah. know? And so I've been lucky enough to put myself in a position where I'm having conversation with amazing people such as yourself, helping to break down what's happening, all with the intent to say like, there is more here than just like gambling and basically throwing your money on random projects. Yeah. Like we are building a new foundation for culture investing. And I think that's the, the intersection that I really want to be known for. Got you. Now, how did you get started in this whole thing? Cause you've been at it, what, since 2017? Yeah, early 2017. Okay, so. So yeah. before that, uh, I was selling Pokemon cards on eBay. You know, like in high school, I was nice. collecting Pokemon cards wholesale on eBay, buying people's, you know, lifetime collections for 500 bucks, breaking it down to its individual parts and then reselling them one by one. You know, nice. through there, I got into music curation. So I was like helping to discover a lot of talent early on in college. Nice. And as I started to graduate, you know, I've always been entrepreneurial, but I kind of recognized the music industry as it currently stands had a very clearly defined ceiling to it. And I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And so I saw this new thing called crypto popping up. And I was like, okay, I can go and just learn everything I need to about that. There's no requirements for getting started. There's no prerequisites. You don't need to have five years of experience or like have a degree in a certain field. Yeah. You can just dive right in. And so 2017, I just started trading 
all the ICOs you could think of, you know, really doing what's happening now in NFTs, but in a very different medium back then, and just understanding this kind of culture. I started traveling the world, going to developer conferences, you know, going to places like Japan, South America, all of Europe, meeting up with developers. So super nerdy people who are building the infrastructure and the rails for this and really getting into their mind to say, how do you think about building products in Web3? Like what's happening with smart contracts? What's happening with all of these different services you're building? And how can I use that information to help translate that to a much wider audience? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you're very well spoken too. You've got like, it's like all these things. You ask a question and you're just right there the entire time. There's no like lag. There's no nothing. If I was to speak that fast, I'd be screwed. I'd be stumbling <laughs> on my words. I couldn't even do it. But no, so that's, I mean, that's amazing. And then of course, now you're on the forefront of this next thing, which now how do you think, like you were speaking about music. So how do you think that that's going to like change with this new wave of crypto and NFTs and everything? So if you are a fan of music, there's definitely been an opportunity where you found an artist really early on, you've liked mm -hmm. their song, and then you've watched them go and blow up and start to do crazy stuff. You know, they're streaming on Spotify, they're selling out tours, they're doing all this incredible stuff. And the best thing you can do is say, I found that guy early. So yeah, sure, okay, what do you have to prove that? Maybe you have like a SoundCloud-like or like a repost or like a song in a playlist, mm -hmm. but there's never really been a way for you to have direct stake in that kind of decision. And so I think what's exciting about music NFTs is you can now collect representations of music very early on in an artist's life cycle. Okay. So if you find an artist's song, you know, on day one and they have a music NFT, you can collect that. And if they go on to blow up, there's an actual asset that represents your fandom. And I think yeah. what we're seeing now is yeah. the early stages of patronage. So not only are you collecting an asset from an artist, you're building a relationship with them, you're becoming a super fan, but over time, we're going to start to see that these assets will have ownership rights with them. So okay. beyond having like a one of one rare vinyl, basically, which has no ownership mechanics, it's just like a collectible that's cool and exciting. Yeah. Over time, there's gonna be assets that have a direct claim on royalties. So if a song has wow. 10 million streams and you own an NFT, there's a very real world where you're gonna get a fraction of those payments back to you because you own that asset. Wow, okay, so it's in a way kind of an investment in a sense. And then yeah. also what I think is cool about it too, especially with music, is it does bring that like collectible element back to music, because that's pretty much gone now. Because I mean, like when you like say, older people, they had records, right? Yep. So they would get these massive like vinyl collections and then that's what they would play all the time. And then it moved into like, uh, like cassettes and then it moved into like CDs. And I even remember when I was younger, I'd get into like my babysitter's car or something like that. When, and then up in her like visor, she'd have like 50 CDs and everyone was super proud of that. And then of course, like the iPhones and iPods and everything came out mm -hmm. and then your music library started to be proud of, but over time it just went into streaming. So now you don't really have an attachment to the music that you're listening to. You just yeah. have it, it's on your phone, you play it a bunch and then you never play it again yep. versus actually purchasing something and having that collection and being proud of that collection that you have. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think one of the beautiful and terrifying things of music today is that all the all the music in the world can be listened to for $9.99 a month. If you have a Spotify premium subscription, you can hear any song you want in a click and not have to worry about that. I think that's a beautiful thing in many regards, but I think there's a very specific segment of fans, myself included, who want to support the creators that they love financially. Yeah. You know, I see music NFTs is really the first way to just open up that conversation. Say, hey, what is this song worth? Like, what is the only copy of it in the world that exists online worth? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I have a price discovery event with that? I think what we're gonna see over time is collecting music is gonna become more and more common. The same way that we all had a vinyl collection going up or we all were doing CDs and whatnot, that's gonna start happening online. And whereas right now music NFTs are basically people who have done well for themselves in crypto buying one of ones for like a couple ETH, yeah. there's gonna be a time where you can buy a music NFT for $5. 
You know, like right. I love Spotify canvas arts. When I see a song in the background, it's just this amazing visualizer. How cool would that be to be able to click a button and collect that for five bucks? And then when someone cool. comes to my profile, they say like, who do you love as an artist? And you can see that as for your purchasing history. You're like, yeah, I follow all these artists, but I like went out of my way and bought these collectibles of these songs because I really resonated with them. I think yeah. that's how we get to a point where like consuming music and the social experience around it becomes more meaningful. Because right now, like when you share a song on Spotify, uh, on your Instagram story, it's actually not really well received for the most part. You know, like everyone yeah. has a unique music collection, but like there's a little bit of a reservation if you're like a creator to like sharing a song online. Cause I don't think there's ever been a canvas through that in a meaningful way. Yeah. As we started to have NFTs, I think that we can like really open that conversation up and have a much more curated experience about what it means to really start collecting music. Yeah, I think that's definitely gonna catch on too. And I think over time as like people still post nfts because right now we're in like such a space to where like if you see an nft it's like oh they got paid to post that or they yep. got paid to do this or you post a song it's like oh they don't and it's an unknown artist it'll be like oh they're trying to boost their career up a little bit they might yeah. have a stake in it so i think is that like as people understand it more they can come across more genuine as well with what they're trying to like push out there and then like that paywall thing of they're being paid will gradually fade away yeah, and I think you highlighted an incredibly important topic. A lot of the biggest creators in the world right now are being offered millions of dollars to promote NFT collections that they know nothing about. Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's a really big problem because there's a lack of education on what that does for a creator's reputation in Web3 over the long term. And if you go out of your way and you take a bag for a couple hundred thousand dollars to post something on your story, on the surface, it doesn't feel that bad. You're just like, oh, okay, like, sure, I'm getting a quick bag. I don't know what's going to happen to this project. But under the hood, there are people that have been in Web3 for so long that you really need to think delicately about what is your trust and reputation in that space. Yeah. You know, if you're seen as someone that's just taking endorsement deals and just like blindly shilling projects, it's going to be very difficult for you to have a very deep and meaningful conversation with someone that's been in it for such a long time. Because I can promise you everyone that has a prolific following in Web3 will never take a single dollar to promote a project. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. Because I mean, well, when I met you through... Zach and then of course you came because I was with Bryce and you were kind of like walking him through that whole conversation right there which is you should not belittle your brand you should look into this and actually understand it and learn about it to where you will be well received with web3 because yeah. this is something that I I mean I think this is definitely going to be the future for sure I don't mm -hmm. think that I mean like getting egg on your face now is just not the like best move to make yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, you can make a quick buck from it. If you have a lot of followers online, there's a very real world where you can reach out to an NFT project and get a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank, no problem. Yeah. But if you start to look over a 10 year time horizon, and as we start looking deeper into investing in creators, investing in their careers, you should almost start thinking about your online presence as your startup. You yeah. know, like you have early stage equity, you have investors around you, people who are watching you very closely. As you start to think about the way that you grow and mature as a creator in this world, having high integrity so that when you do back a project, people are like, this one's legit. Like, I know for yeah. a fact I need to spend time and effort on it because this guy never promotes anything. That's how you start having high leverage. Where It's not only about your individual capital going into it. It's about mm -hmm. your entire community rallying behind something. And that's when you start to see these things make some serious damage, make some really big waves. Yeah. Now, a question for you, because I'm assuming you've got a lot of money in like NFTs and in crypto, right? How do you deal with like the thing going up and down all the time? So one day it's like, this is worth this much. And then the next day ETH drops or something. And then now you're dipping down like that. Does that stress you out ever? Worry you? Do you freak out about that? Or are you just kind of like, you believe in it so much, doesn't even bother you? I'm fortunate enough to have gotten to a point where I don't need to like check anymore. Nice. You know, it's all just a number on a screen at this point. It's not going to make a significant difference. 
most of my NFT collecting has been for fun. You know, like I'm not yeah. reliant on my NFT portfolio to be able to pay any bills, to do anything like for the long term. Um, it's all just kind of a, it's all just house money at this point, you know? Yeah. And so I think for me, it's it's been nice to be able to remove myself from that conversation. But I have had a lot of those same conversations in uh, the previous cycles, you know, like prior to NFTs, I was really big into DeFi. And so there was a period of time when all of these tokens were just going absolutely crazy. We're talking like up 500% in a week, down wow. another 90%. And so the longer you're in crypto, the more you become trained to volatility. Mm -hmm. I think your ability to adapt and respond to volatility actually determines how well you can be as a trader. Gotcha. Now, like, would you recommend, would you recommend like just buying and holding like the bigger ones? Or do you think people should get into like buying all these like smaller coins, things like that? I think you should find two to three projects that you're really excited and passionate about and try and become a meaningful member of that community. I think spreading bets across a hundred different NFTs, you're only going to learn so much, you know, maybe a couple of them hit, but yeah. best case scenario, you make some money. I think what's more valuable is getting the experience around community building, around understanding like governance and leadership. Yeah. And so being like really heavily aligned with the one community and starting to understand who are the key contributors, you know, how are they operating, building a relationship with the team that made the project. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can start to be someone that the team comes to for advice on what to do next, you have high leverage over that project. Gotcha. You know, you're no, you're no longer just like a holder of like an asset that may or may not go down. Like you start to influence exactly what happens with that project. Yeah. I've noticed that I like these, these groups. Cause I have, um, like a few and then I'm in like the discord groups and things like that. And I like the fact that you get like voting rights and stuff like that with certain NFT projects and things. And mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool because it brings you in and makes you like a part of something. And I think that's, another part of it that I like because I have some of those, I have a crypto New Yorker mm -hmm. and then some of the people that hold that, like when we were in New York are people that I never would have been in the same room with. So yep. it's cool that this can get you into the room with some people that you never would have met. And then now you have something in common and it's, it's something very cool because there is a big community for it. Yeah. And I think that's the single biggest reason why NFTs have done so well is because it's focused more on the human element than the tech element. Yeah. You know, the fact that I can make a relationship with someone that I've never had the chance to before, that is why this shit is going so crazy. But I think if you start to think about the evolution of governance, you know, right now for a lot of these NFT projects, it's like, what color should the next wearable be? Or like, what yeah. should we do as like a fun little like meetup or something? Like that's rudimentary governance. Mm -hmm. You know, what's gonna happen over the long term? These NFT products are printing millions of dollars. They're gonna put it into a shared pot where everyone who owns that NFT is gonna be able to determine what to do with it. And so if you have a conversation around paying someone a salary, around having a summit or a major event, like somewhere in the world for everyone to come together, mm -hmm. there are gonna be these really big conversations around large allocations of capital. And if you as an owner of that NFT can be making proposals, influencing the direction of that, you know, being a core contributor to those bigger conversations, it's really gonna start to move mountains. Okay. I think that's the way that I recommend people think about this. So it's not just like, what is the floor price going up and down? It's like, okay, if this is an ecosystem and it has consistent revenue in the form of secondary sales, how do I start being involved in what to do with that capital to try and make this, this uh, whole project more valuable? See, I like that, that take on it because for like the average person, they're gonna view it as, um, like, okay, I have this thing. It's the floor price is this, it's worth this much. If I hold it, it'll be worth this much. And it's such, it's just the monetary status of that specific thing. Mm -hmm. But then knowing that you can dive a little deeper into it is also very cool. And then I've noticed too, now it's kind of becoming like a status symbol. I've noticed NFTs have become like crazy. Like when I was in Miami, I had, or I was seeing people with chains on their neck of an Apple watch. And then on that is like a crypto punk or a board ape or something like that, which I think is kind of, it's very unique. Cause I've never seen that before, which is very cool.
Yeah, it's really interesting. I think we're in a very specific moment where if you're deep in Web3, there is an entire world that is diehard passionate about it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, going to these conferences, like you're going to see people whose entire career is made on the back of NFTs. And for someone like myself, it's been fascinating to watch that curve because crypto is always evolving. You know, there's always something hot. It was ICOs and then DeFi. And now we have NFTs. Mm -hmm. And then you have all these other topics to be able to focus on. But the thing that's going to stick the most with NFTs is the identity layer. Yeah. You know, in the same way that you have a Rolly or the same way that you have a nice car, like having a sick NFT is exactly that. And if you think about this world becoming more digital, that's never going to change. Oh, yeah. Well, I put on I put on Oculus like probably a month ago. I got one and I spent so much fucking time in that thing. It was mm. ridiculous. And then I could eat, like instantly see the second you put that thing on and you're in a room. I could instantly see the value of this, of having like these things to display inside of that world. And I think as like the metaverse and everything takes off, it's just gonna become like more and more. I think people will spend more time in that than actually out of it. And I think people will start wanting to have like valuables on there instead of here, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I am so optimistic about the future of technology. You know, yeah. I think it's really easy to get into this dystopian world of like black mirror, like it's all gonna fuck up our mental health and whatnot. but Technology is beautiful, man. There's yeah. so much cool shit you can do with it. And so to really just make it clear across the board, we are not there today. You know, you cannot trade your NFTs in the metaverse on Oculus, yeah. but those early foundational pillars are being built today. And so if uh, you are someone with an influence and with the following, the best thing you can do is just become educated in what's happening because as those things start to develop, you're gonna be able to make some serious noise if you know what's going on. Yeah, see, well, I was kind of like, I was kind of like anti-virtual reality for so long. I'm like, this is just, because every time you'd put it on, you'd be like, oh, this is just not good. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or you'd have like 3D TVs. Everyone thought everything was going to go three-dimensional and all that stuff for a while. But then all of a sudden now you put it on and it's not where it needs to be yet, but I can definitely see this becoming the thing. Yeah. So. I mean, like even games and stuff, like this is an example that clicks for a lot of people. You know, in the same way that you have Fortnite skins, you have golden guns and these different shooter games. All of those will be NFTs and there yeah. will be secondary markets for them. I used to play a ton of RuneScape growing up. I had the most badass items in the world, but I could do nothing with them. Yeah. You know, the future generation of games over a 10 to 20 year time horizon, all of the time that you invest into these ecosystems will have a direct financial return to you. That's cool too. Yeah. Cause there's, I spent so much time on Call of Duty, anything that you could possibly think of, any game that was out there was popping. And then now nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that there is there is value in that because it trained you on how to think about playing these digital ecosystems. Yep. You know, like grinding in RuneScape, grinding in Call of Duty, prestiging and whatnot, like doing game battles, like all of this stuff has direct tie-ins to NFTs. And the biggest thing that I'll say is that Web3 is a positive sum game. You know, like yeah. if you're just a lone wolf trying to like bob and weave by yourself, you're not gonna get that far. Like your success is directly tied to how big your network is around you and how much you can co-elevate things together. Yeah. So like starting a clan or being in a little group chat or something like that, you know, winning together is the single most important thing to be able to make it in Web3. And so I would highly recommend for people getting started, don't just go blindly yellow into like 10 different NFTs, mm -hmm. find five to 10 friends around you and start to have serious conversations about it. It's okay to YOLO into an NFT project, but at least have people around you that are doing that too, so that you guys can go through the ups and downs together. If you gotcha. get burned and you get rugged, like it's a learning experience. You know, if yeah. you guys win together, you can talk about how to diversify profits. I think over time you see that these small niche internet communities are really the driving force behind success in Web3. So if you can help create one of those, I think you're gonna be in a really powerful spot. Got you. Now, of course, how does it feel for you kind of? Cause like when you first got into crypto, 
that was like very new. It was a very new thing. And then now you kind of were like, right, pretty much, you know, like it's taken off. Does that feel pretty good that you went with something before anyone else? And then now it feels right right now. I'm going to caveat that yeah. by saying this stuff goes through complete cycles. You know, mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet in six to 12 months, people are going to be saying, fuck NFTs. You know, yeah. they're going to be like, this shit got over the top. Uh, we don't really like what's happening anymore. They're all scams, et cetera, et cetera. And so in this moment, it definitely feels good. I'd like to double highlight. We have so much work to do yeah. to make this stuff remotely usable for the average person. You know, right now it's fun if you're someone in a privileged position that can go out and spend time and effort buying random things on the internet and making money off of it. Yeah. But that is very different from it being a meaningful driver of everyone's day-to-day -day life, like playing a valuable role in someone's like personal and professional development. Yeah. And so to answer your question directly, it feels fantastic. You know, I'm really, really thankful for how it's evolved and sort of where it is today. But I want to be really grounded in the fact that we are in a very, very hot bull market right now. It's mm -hmm. all that anyone's talking about. And I don't think that's something that's going to last forever. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that makes perfect sense. Because I mean, well, you even called it too. I, I saw you speak at uh, launch house. What was that? Maybe two, three months mm -hmm. ago. And you even said like after like come January, everything is going to shoot down a little bit and then mm -hmm. you're going to have to ride it out, which it shot down a little bit. So what do you think caused that? Like that specific dip? I think a lot of people made a lot of money really fast. You know, I know a lot of friends who got into crypto four to five months ago who have made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars off of buying a couple NFTs. Yeah. You know, people who minted board apes for 0 0.08 ETH, if you just held on to those, the cheapest ape today is like 85 ETH, yeah. which is like $250,000 basically. And all you had to do was press one transaction four months ago, sit on your ass and then wake up and have like half a million dollars, you know? Wow. And like that playbook is extremely excited, but it's also not realistic or sustainable. Yeah. You know, and so I think for a lot of these new generation of NFT buyers, people saw how much money they were making. You know, the absurdity of a lot of these projects is getting out of hand. There's 10 different PFP projects every single day. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really just a reality check from the larger forces that be in the crypto markets. So the people who are like really holding it up under the yeah. surface that we don't really talk about, they're like, yo, motherfuckers, like, this is, this is still our, like, you know, this yeah. is our territory, you know, like you guys could have fun and trade these monkeys all you want, but like, we need to help you recognize that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like there's going to be corrections here. And if stuff starts to get out of proportion, there are always going to be people smarter than you. that are helping just punch you right in the gut and give you a reality yeah. check. A hundred percent. And then now it's like, when you say you own one of these, right. And you sell it, you get royalties off of the sales for it pretty much forever. Right. If you're the that one works? that created the asset. So if you're the person who made the asset itself, you're able to collect a secondary sale from ever, forever. Okay. If you buy an NFT, you will always get the um, sale price from if you sell it to someone else, but it doesn't mean that you're guaranteed the royalties as well. Gotcha. There are specific platforms. So something like Super has basically a collector royalty, which means there's a very small slice that goes back to the previous owner of it. So oh, an okay. example of this, uh, a one-of-one -one artwork from an artist named Xcopy, he was selling these for 0.5 ETH like three years ago. And now they sell on average for anywhere from like 500 to 1,000 ETH every time. And oh, so wow. there are examples of someone buying it for 0.5 ETH, selling it for 10 ETH, and then after that it's selling for 600 ETH and then like 1,000 ETH. And so wow. what a collector royalty does is it trickles down every step of the way so that every one of those owners gets a little bit of profit there. But That's that, cool. as an example, is very rare. I'd say across the board what you see is the creator of a project will always have secondary sale royalties. But as a buyer and then a flipper of that, you are not entitled to any secondary sales beyond that. You are only capturing the the value of that direct sale that you engaged in. Got you. Okay, so that makes sense why a lot of these people are so excited to develop their own is because if yeah. it does well, then they can sell it out after that. That's exactly right. There's so much stuff about this creator world that's so fascinating to me. 
you know, if you think about uh, living here in LA, I've been so thankful for the opportunity to build relationships with people such as yourself, you know, mm -hmm. people that are really using social media to their advantage, you know, because I feel like for the vast majority of people in our world, they are like so manipulated by social media, you know, oh, yeah. what they're consuming, you know, what's being presented to them, the algorithms and whatnot. And then the easy answer is to say, fuck social media. I don't want to be on that. But yep. I think taking the flip side and being like, no, this is a tool and something for me to go out and really utilize to my advantage is such a beautiful thing. I absolutely yeah. love being around people that see the potential for that as well. Well, when I started social media, I mean, like for me, it was TikTok, right? So I I think my cousin posted a video that got like 20,000 views and I watched it. And at the time, 20,000 views to me was like, whoa, are you yeah. kidding me? And I was like, this video sucks. I'm going to do this much better. So then I start making ones and then... Like I think like two weeks into making one, a video hit like 3.5 million views and then I got addicted to it. And then by getting addicted to it, I spent every day on it. And then of course, family, friends, everyone's like, what are you doing? This is so stupid. This doesn't make any sense. And there's a lot of negatives that come along with that when you're trying to do something, yeah. especially in social media, because it's one of those things where it'll never work mm. type thing. And then of course that became like my job after a while and then I moved out here and then doing all that which is great but I love the process of social media and I see it so differently now now that I do do it for work and I see how it's like manipulated behind the scenes which is very fascinating mm -hmm. how you can use an audience and stuff and then um, the crazy thing too is I just started realizing that yo people are behind those numbers so yeah. and that's very cool so you worry about like how you actually are perceived to the public because those views are watchers which is yeah. interesting yeah and i think the biggest unlock for the next generation of social media is today when you post a video online and it goes viral you may be able to get a sponsorship you may mm -hmm. get like a couple dollars from like ads or from like a creator sponsorship program or something but you do not have ownership in the platforms that you create content for. Yeah. Like you do not have equity in TikTok. You don't have equity in Instagram or Twitter or any of these things. And I think the the next generation of social media and really the biggest unlock for Web3 is this concept of ownership. If you're out there and you are creating tons of economic value, you're driving a ton of traction to the platform, you should be capturing ownership in that platform. Yeah. So as it grows, you get to share in its success. And I think that as sort of a concept is why I'm so excited about NFTs today, but really more broadly, just the evolution of sort of online content creation, collection, ownership, and like all of these different mechanisms at hand. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's something very cool too, because right now, if you're an influencer, of course you're gonna get like brand deals if you're doing well. And then of course, that all depends on what your audience is, if it's kids, if it's adults, what you say, what you don't say. And then if you really wanna have like long-term money, because a brand deal is not gonna last forever. Mm -hmm. So if you wanna have long-term money, you have to start some form of company for yourself. Yep. And I know it's gone for like to subscription services for people. Some people do it really well where they do like merch, things like that. Some people do it well where they actually create products that outlive them. And then I think that's should be the goal for every social media person that's in it now. But um, yeah, I think that's something very cool that if something because you are on the forefront now of pretty much anything for Web3, right? Right. So like if you're if you're doing it now pretty much most likely you're going to be involved at ground level with whatever's coming out next. So it's cool that you can grow something, be a part of something. And then ultimately it would be great to be one of the biggest people on a very successful platform in the future. Yeah. So I think this is where uh, DAOs come into place. You know, we yeah. talked about early in this conversation, collecting NFTs, trading them, buying and selling them. That's surface level. When you start to think about building a foundation for yourself, DAOs are a concept of a group chat with a shared bank account. You know, I like to liken this to basically a web three startup 
And so instead of having equity in a company, you now have tokens that represent ownership in a DAO. You're building a treasury of assets. So that's things like ETH, stable coins like USDC. You can put NFTs in there and you have sort of this like vault that's basically like, here is our community's shared bank account to go and like create value for the economy. You know, nice. you'll have like a token that basically has a financial value associated with it. And I think over time you start to see these creator stock markets where it's like, I can bet on the success of a creator, not by buying have not by buying their NFT, but just by owning some of their tokens, you know? Gotcha. I can work for them, I can do street team work and I can earn some tokens that I'm getting essentially equity in this creator's career. And I think that's when these things go from like, not I don't only have 20 million on Instagram or TikTok, I have a token that's worth $100 million. Wow. I think that's gonna become extremely common over the next five years. Yeah, now, and you have your own group, right? Mm -hmm. For this, and then people can kind of get involved in that. And it's, what is it? It's uh, Friends with Benefits, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, so how did you get started with that? What made you want to do that? At the time, there was a lot of conversation around DeFi. So basically mm -hmm. just like super, super deep, like crypto native topics on finance and economics and whatnot. I sort of realized that while it was fun to make money in crypto, it wasn't what I was driven by. Mm -hmm. Instead, I wanted to help create a space where people could have high level conversation on the intersection of culture and crypto. Yeah. Let's call it arts and technology. And so we created a discord server where you needed to own tokens to get into it. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that we were, we were connecting a developer with a designer. We were connecting a baker with a trader. And like when they started smashing ideas together, they were having really cool and productive ideas. And it really just opened up this new world to me that like social crypto is cool. Like we're all yeah. in social clubs. We all have like Soho house memberships, but there's never really been a way for us to kind of collectively own that group that we created. Like you're always just giving fees and dues to this membership club and then just like using the space. Yeah. And so our idea was like, what happens if you have a token that represents access, but it also represents ownership over this group? Yeah. You know, your access is your governance power. We have a treasury with all these funds in it and people are making collective decisions on how to make this space better. And through that, I think the conversations and the activations that came out of it have been really, really net positive for the space. Nice. Yeah, I would agree with that a lot. And then one thing I do like about talking with you about this is it's not you're not like money hungry from this. No, you're very passionate about like the whole like process, the the um, future projections of how you want everything to be. And like money is not the main thing, which if you talk to a lot of people about like NFTs, it's very money oriented. It's like yeah. this project made this. I own this. I own that. And then I haven't heard you do any of that at all ever, so, yeah. which is great. Yeah. I mean, if you surround yourself with the right people on Web3, the money will come every single time. You yeah. Know, like depending on what time horizon you look at it over um, one week, one month, one year, mm -hmm. I try and just really think about the long term. Like, where is this going in 10 years? And what I've found is there's never going to be a salary or a specific NFT that's going to be more valuable than you creating ownership in the things that you work on. Yeah. And so today, how I spend my time is I work with creators, I work with projects, I try and create foundations for them to succeed. And I want to be a meaningful part of that. You know, I want to be a yeah. voice in that conversation, help steer and influence direction and future and strategy. And through that, I think there's a world where you're not getting paid a commission, you're not getting paid like dollar per hour or something, you're just building mm -hmm. friendships. And as you guys win together, there's more than enough to go around for everyone. Yeah, I tell you who should be paying you a commission is Dior. Every time I see you, <laughs> you're always dripped down. I'm like, damn, how's it? Every time new shoes, that goes hard. I love this. Thank you, man. But um, yeah, so let's talk about you a little bit. Let's get away from like what you do mainly and let's talk about like what you do for like fun, things like that. So mm -hmm. when you're not deep in Web3 conversations, what are you doing? Meditation. Meditation? Yeah, twice a day, every single morning when I wake up, before I get into the mix, 15 to 20 minutes, Papa Medi. 
Wow. Okay. You use like an app or you're just so good at it now you can just sit there and go right into it. I just use a playlist called Peaceful Meditation on Spotify. Yeah. Just sit there and just like ground myself in my thoughts and just get into a place of being able to think very clearly and operate from a high level. Gotcha. Yeah, I need to try that because my mind goes crazy if I try to sit still for a minute. I like go go everywhere. I'm like, all right, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then um, the only time I've been able to successfully do it was when I did like a float tank for mm. an hour. You ever done Love one of those? those? Yeah, they're fantastic. That was great. And then, um, of course, I came out of there. I was like, I didn't know if I was in there for 100 years or two seconds. So... I loved that, but I've everyone tells me to do meditation. I need to start doing it because a lot of successful people I know swear by it. Yeah. And now how long have you been doing it for? Five years, maybe. Actually, probably like seven years at this point. I think I can probably count on two hands the number of times I've missed meditating in a day mm -hmm. over like seven years. Really? Like it's just such a habit of mine where like if I'm getting neurotic or just feel myself getting stressed, I'll just like take a step back, just go find a quiet place for like 10 minutes and just like lock in. Really? Now you have like a process of how you like to get into it or do you mainly just um, you mainly just like sit down and you're good? Yeah, I just think about my thoughts. There you go. Well, it's a pretty simple concept. But like as you start to look at the way that your mind works, you can start to recognize why you're thinking in the way that you are. And I think the entire practice of meditation is just being aware of your thoughts. You know, you're not trying to control them or influence them. You're just like, yo, this exists and I'm uh, wanting to be in a better position to operate from a level of high productivity. See, I like that a lot because I think, too, a lot of people, especially for me, because, I mean, I grew up in Ohio, so everything is so stereotypical when you hear about it. So, like, for a lot of people, they're here meditation. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's got incense. He's on, like, crisscross yeah. applesauce yeah, type yeah, yeah. beat. He's got an orange robe on of some sort. And then, like, just sitting there with, like, ohms and ahs and everything. And, and I've come to find out that's not the case at all with it, yeah. especially now because pretty much everyone is – doing meditation and stuff so i need to i need to hop on that i download like the calm app or some shit and actually try it see if i can quiet my mind a little bit yeah i'd say some of the other things that i spend my time on i love going to concerts i spend a mm -hmm. lot of time in sort of the wider music industry really into electronic music go to a lot of like dubstep shows and just help like detach and just like get fully consumed in the experience which is great uh play a lot of basketball you know go on hoop pretty frequently at yeah. least once a week do a lot of Aussie you know, just go and sit with creators and just have like highly productive conversations about where all this is happening. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with the way that my life's set up right now. You know, I think yeah. it's a it's a very long time horizon, but, you know, Web3 has been very good to me. I'm working on stuff that I'm really passionate about. And I think the best part is that it's not specific to one vertical or agnostic. You know, like yeah. you can go Web3 as a canvas is so broad. It applies. It's just technology. It's just tools, you know, yeah. so you can take those and apply it to anything. And um I'm very fortunate to have found myself in a position to work with creators that I've always looked up to. Yeah. And if we look at this over a really long time horizon, I think this is just the start of a really, really big opportunity for everyone. Yeah, I think so too. And then something else too I found interesting is the other night we were sitting down, you said that you're taking the complete year off of alcohol, right? No alcohol this mm -hmm. entire year. So have you ever been like a drinker or smoker or anything like that? Or have you always been pretty... Uh, I had my med card in college. That was really fun. You know, there I moved out to Colorado and was just blazing every single day. Like yeah. the dispensaries had just opened. And so it was this like whole new world. I've definitely never been super into drinking. I mean, I would like pound a fifth and go to like a dubstep concert in college. Yeah. But, you know, post-graduation um, last year, I think I only drank maybe three to five times the entire year. And so I think this year I want to just be like 100 percent. Yeah. No, you know. Yeah, I was I was trying that out. I, I made it like solid like 12, 13 days and um nice. Yeah, actually the first night so the party that I saw you at what was it about a week ago? Yeah. A week ago. Yeah, so I was there. I showed up at 
8.30 and everyone says to like, I mean, it was started at 8. So show up at 8.30 and I was like, oh, I'm an hour early. So because uh, in L.A. you show up everywhere an hour late because that's what you're supposed to do. So I get there. I know no one. And I'm like, OK, I pulled up alone. I had friends pulling up in a little bit. And I was like, all right, what do I do now? And then this like bars over there. And then I'm like, OK, fine. You know what? I'll do that. And then next thing you know, I met like 15 people. And yeah. I was I was vibing after that. For some reason, for me, it's always been like alcohol has always brought me together with more people. Totally. So that's why I feel like I've always fallen into that. But I mean, sobriety would be interesting if I could do that for a year. But I'm not a yeah. smoker either. So yeah, me neither. I think the interesting part is uh, holding the red cup is actually more important than having a drink in that cup. You know, you can put water in it. And I think people just are more comfortable and open when they have like a drink in their hand or something like that. Yeah. And a lot of the times I think more about how am I going to be able to function tomorrow rather than how does this make me feel today? And nice. so I love drinking, you know, and the times that I do it, I have a fantastic time all across the board. I think it's fantastic. You yeah. know, if you use it in moderation, it's such a fun, you know, like enhancer to any social environment. Yeah. But if you can get to a point where you can have like very deep, thoughtful conversations with people without it, but then be able to wake up the next morning and just rip it. Like that's yeah. the, that's the optimal scenario. Yeah, that's, I do enjoy that for sure. I notice whenever I do take breaks and things like that, I love waking up early, which is something that I, you just don't do if you're drinking. Mm -hmm. And I love actually having energy in the morning besides having caffeine. Yeah. I'd say, uh, the one last topic that I want to cover here is, um, I've been doing a lot of angel investing, you know, mm -hmm. and something that I'm seeing more broadly across the board is all of these early stage companies in web three are looking for creators to get involved. Yeah. You know, like venture capital is kind of like this weird topic of, you know, firm investing millions of dollars into like an early stage startup that then IPOs, but with crypto, it's becoming much more democratized. Yeah. You know, if you're a creator who has done well for themselves financially, don't just go and yell that on like NFT projects, like find a way to build relationships with founders and invest directly in those companies. You will have upside on the entire thing across the board, not only like your one specific PFP that you have, mm -hmm. but like everything that that company does. And gotcha. I think that is the design space and becoming a creator who can also be seen as an investor and an operator is gonna be like the single biggest way that you can separate yourself from the rest of the pack. That is very good to know. Yeah, well, anything else you wanna talk about it? No, nah, man. I mean, uh, I'm really thankful for this opportunity. Like I was saying to you at the party, I think that what's happening right now in LA is absolutely crazy. You know, the mm -hmm. fact that I get to come and have a conversation about this with you is something I will never take for granted. And so uh, my closing thoughts would be, you know, be careful out there. It's been a, it's been a exciting, exciting couple of months and there will continually be opportunities, but yeah. don't go too far over the edge. You know, find yourself around people like yourself and just have thoughtful conversations. And I think you're going to find that this space has a lot more to it than just flipping a couple of PFPs. My brain exploded a little bit on some of this, which is great. That's what I want to happen. But yeah, man, thank you for coming on and yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, man. Appreciate you having me out. And that's a wrap for this video. Thank you for watching. All of Cooper's socials will be linked down below. Hit the subscribe button. See you soon. Peace.